Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. One of the best offensive halves by VCU and one of the best halves period by VCU all year in the second half against Fordham turned what could have been a very sticky situation into a very good situation. VCU rolls up in the Bronx and keeps themselves right in the hunt for at least not just the top four, but top two or top three. Welcome to Rams Rewind, live here in the Good and the Bad, the Youngly Group. If you like what you hear, you want to help us out, you can shoot us some dinero. There is a link to it, uh, to the PayPal account, in the description on Podbean, your other podcast platforms. Bruce, Michael Bell, player of the game, Jason Coppinger, I ain't got no argument with you. Um, Michael Bell's starting to come along on the offensive end. It's huge. He also said, Lawal is more like Lawal. Yeah, there's a few of those. There's a few of those from Toby Lawal tonight. Uh, he had a fabulous game off the bench. And really, him and Furman both did a nice job together, believe it or not. Those numbers add up, the, the, at least on the offensive side, add up pretty nicely. Um, Bell and Bam in control tonight. Gene Cox, I think you're right. Yeah, and Shogo, God, we'll talk about his night in a moment because I was ready to sit him on the bench and leave him there with his shoulder bothering him like he did. But since then, holy mackerel. Yeah, St. Bonaventure, I don't even want to get into that. At least St. Bonaventure might end up being decent. That George Washington loss just looks worse and worse. And before I, I branded about that before I hit the record button on this podcast. Also, for my podcast listeners who are not here in the good and the bad and the ugly group, it may come out a little bit late because my producer's dealing with a, uh, an ill relative tonight. So if it's out a little late tomorrow, and that would be uh, Wednesday in podcast land, we do apologize, but uh, things have to be dealt with there. Um, yet yeah, Scott Harris, Bell getting minutes has made a big difference because in those two losses to start the conference, he didn't play at all. Their defense looked like garbage. And it is making a big difference. And he had a wonderful night, Bell. Nine points, a rebound assist, a couple steals in 18 minutes. Really did a great job tonight out there. But this second half, my goodness. I mean, you talk about fantastic. I mean, Fordham, the numbers won't look great defensively because Fordham, believe it or not, made eight of their last nine shots. But they opened up the half, missing 12 of their first uh, four of 17 from the field. So they missed 13 of their 17, first 17 shots. VCU erased their offense for until about the last seven minutes and blew this game completely out of the water. Um, they only ended up with 13 turnovers, so only four in the second half, which is fantastic because they were really, turnovers were killing them in the first half. Fordham didn't turn the ball over much at the end, but they still had eight in the second half, and that was big. 
Um, but this second half offensively, I'm telling you, unbelievable what they did. Um, 16 of 28 from the field, 57%. You know, 5 of 13 from three, 38 and a half. So think of this. VCU, in this la- even in this great run they've been on, and this I can't remember who tweeted this stat out, but a couple different people did, that VCU in this run they've been on was one of the worst two-point offenses in America. Well, in the second half tonight, they were 11 of 15 from inside the arc, which is just wonderful. I mean, and they only had six two-point buckets in the first half. Uh, nice update, Everett Gillis. I'm going to try to get that on when we're done with this video. But, yeah, St. Joe's being a, up on Dayton, that's a that's a potentially huge result uh, in a lot of ways. That, would, that could get St. Joe's back in the at-large conversation even at this point. But really, offensively, you you know what you didn't see in the second half? You didn't see a whole lot of dribble death. You didn't see a whole lot of guys monopolizing the ball. The ball movement was there. The off-the-ball movement was there. It's the best I've seen this season. Everybody was moving without the basketball so much better. And as a result, you had great spacing and you had, you know, a party at the basket. You know, layups, dunks. I mean, again, they were 11 and 15 from inside the arc. And unlike the previous games where it seems like they missed all kinds of layups and dunks, they all seem to be, they all seem to be layups and dunks inside in the second half. So excellent job. Uh, excellent job from VCU on that score and just dominating this game in the second half on offense. And again, Fordham got hot late, but the game was over at that point. So who cares when that happens? You know, you don't want to see it because obviously that's been a, that has been a bit of a bugaboo for us, but it's a lot easier to take that when you got a 20-point lead with seven minutes left than when you got a four-point lead. Whole four-point lead. Um so I, I thought, you know, they did a tremendous job. And, and let's yeah, let's start praising the players individually. Uh, Zeb, I thought he did a pretty good job tonight. You know, selective with his shots. He's three for five. He only takes the one three, and that was a good shot. It just didn't go in. Makes all his free throws. Three boards, four assists. You know, that's pretty good. He only had the two turnovers. Uh, Shoga, as, as Bruce said, almost got a triple-double. 13 points, 10 rebounds. He was really – when you rebound well, your guards are rebounding well. They won the rebounding battle. They were plus two for the game uh, as a result. And that's and when your guards rebound, that's what happened. Well, he got ten. Barstow gets eight rebounds. So that's that's over half your rebounds right there from your from your guard and your 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 one who's a guard who's is a guard and your one point four forward who's a guard too. Um, just a terrific job. Uh, we talked about Michael Bell, Joe Bamasil. Much better tonight. Lots of lots of aggressive drives. When Bamasil is decisive driving to the basket, he's a lot. He's a better player, and you know he did a great job with that a couple of different times. How about a couple of different drives, and he gets the dish and gets the assists because he had a couple of assists tonight. Eighteen assists on twenty six made free field goals. Beautiful, absolutely marvelous that. Uh, you know, and and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different guys had assists. One assist for Nelson, seven for Shulga, four for Jackson, one for Furman. Yes, Furman. Bamisil two, Bearstow two, Bell one. Yeah, Kawani had a quiet night. Guess what? It's okay, Jason. It's okay. Nelson 
had probably his worst night in the uniform. He was one for nine, and they were still over 50% in the game. So think of that. Nelson's one for nine. Kawani's one for three. You know, the rest of them are 24 for 39. That's incredible. But that's the that's the key, Jason Coppinger. And, they, and again, the three-bid league has been great at spotlighting this, and the Black and Gold Fan Cap podcast did too. Nearly everybody that's played significant minutes – this year has led a game in scoring here or there. The only one who has it is Bell. And the point is, it doesn't – okay, they did a good job on Kawani tonight. Shoga stepped up. Bamasil had his first good game for a couple. Bearstow off the bench has a pretty good night. You know, almost has a double-double. It's not going to be the same guy every night, and that is the strength of us in that regard, is that we have got a variety of guys who are going to come through. Toby Lawal. Eight points, two boards, a block, four for four from the field. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, if we were still doing the Star Wars memes, Jason Coppinger, I would say the battle station is fully operational, but we had to bend that after the 0-2 start. We're the shark. We're Jaws. We're sneaking up, and you see the fin, and by the time you see it, we're too late. But this, this really was, you know, they had some wobbles, they let freaking Fordham, who's one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the conference, make a bunch of threes in the first half to stay in the game. But they basically wiped that out in the second half, uh, Fordham. They had they made their last three, and before that they were two for ten. And they end up ten for 26, which will actually take our average down, but it's still, I mean, that's okay, not great. And they shot 38% from the field, Fordham. You know, when they – when they had to try to score in the half court, it wasn't happening. And Bruce Stevenson, let me remind you that Fordham got 85 in regulation at George Washington and VCU couldn't beat George Washington. So I ain't having this. We shouldn't have let Fordham score 60. If we had not turned the ball over the way we had in the first half, and the problem is they don't know how to split their boxes right because – I thought Fordham won for I thought at halftime Fordham won one second chance points. VCU, or excuse me, points off turnovers. VCU had 29 points off turnovers, which is just ludicrous. I mean, that is unbelievable. 29 points off of 14 turnovers is wow. Holy smoke. Um, you know, so well, again, Bruce. They got more against George Washington in regulation than they did, and then they played three more overtimes and got 115 and one. So you could say Fordham's terrible. They didn't lose to the stupid Colonials, and we did. And I, I, I just, I feel like that that reminder's got to be put out there. And 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 that's that's you know, 60 points for them is probably is a lot better than some nights because their offense really is terrible. But let's oh, and Fordham also won at St. Bonaventure, Bruce. So let's just let's just cool it on how bad Fordham is a little bit. They're not a great team, and they should have never been in this game. You're right. But VCU hammered them in the second half. Absolutely hammered them. Jumped right out. I think scored the first nine points in the second half. And again, without some breakdowns and some you know inopportune turnovers, you know, VCU would have won this game by 25 or 30 easy. And Fordham would have gotten nothing on offense because they really weren't. They couldn't do squat uh, in the half court. So 
You know, I'm not having, oh, Fordham's awful, this and that. You know, uh-uh. Fordham's beat two teams we couldn't beat, so I'm not having that. You know, the, the George Washington one, you know, and, that, and it, again, it just sticks in my crawl, that one more and more. I mean, <laughs> for them to get cooked by Rhode Island tonight, Rhode Island don't even have their best score. I mean, you got to be kidding me, that. You have got to be kidding me with that. It's just ludicrous. But forget that. This, again, this is a sort of effort that a team that wants to win a championship makes because this was a trap. This was the biggest trap uh, in between Richmond and Dayton, which is two of our biggest games of the season every year. You know, it would not have been surprising for them to struggle up here. It would not have been surprising for this to be a white knuckler. Um, and it looked like it was going to be at halftime, and then VCU really put the hammer down on him, and that's what just makes me so – that pleases me so much is that they wiped this game out in the first in the first two segments of the second half. You know, and it's funny you bring that up, Daniel Carter, about Max Shulga's shoulder because clearly it was bothering him in the first half, and honestly, at the under four timeout, you know, with some of the plays that he was making out there – I, I would have sat him and and sent him to the locker room and said, work on him and let's see if we can get him back out here by by the second half. And then he right after that he turns around and hits a three and and then he just started cooking. But again, selectiveness. Max Shulgin only takes seven shots tonight. Four for seven, three for five from three, hits a couple free throws, and gets seven assists. So it's like you can't even be sure. Who's going to get the assists? One night it's going to be Jackson. One night it's going to be Shulga. One night it's going to be Bearstow. They've all had monster assist games this year. So that's, you know, that's what's so excellent about, about this team is that you just don't know where it's coming from. You, you look at Furman and the wall and they had three rebounds tonight and you're thinking, oh, they must have had a bad night on the, on the backboard. Nope. They win the backboard because Shulgin Bearstow got all the doggone rebounds tonight. How about that? You don't expect that, but that's again, that's the way this team has been all year. And and you know, you look at you look at Bearstow coming off the bench. Something to think about. He probably gets a starting spot back because Nelson struggled, and you could probably argue that Nelson's better coming off the bench. But twenty-seven minutes for Sean Bearstow looked pretty darn good. And I'll continue to say it, a lot of these players play better the less minutes they play. And I'm talking about the big-name players. Shulga had 33 tonight, but Joe Bamisil, 21 minutes, 13 points. Looked fresher on defense. Was smarter with his shot selection. Five of nine from the field. You know, him and Barristow took the most shots tonight, and Nelson. And him and Barristow did good with their shots. Unfortunately, Nelson didn't. But that is the key thing. To me, Bamisil is an effective player at 20 to about 27, 28 minutes. I wonder if it's the same with Bearstow. I wonder if, if he's a more effective player at 20 to 28 minutes, and then you get beyond that, it's a problem. And, and look, VCU's got the depth. They have the depth. They can absolutely get away with nobody playing 30 minutes and not lose much. And not lose much. Furman didn't have a great game tonight. So the wall comes off the bench, gets eight points. You know, it was a good press breaker. Couple of other let's nit, let's pick a few other nits real quick. The one 
Bad stretch in the second half. VCU turning it over, you know, two or three times in a row. Look, somebody's going to press you. One, don't try and dribble through it. Unless you're Ace Baldwin and none of you guys are Ace Baldwin dribbling the basketball, don't try and dribble through the press. Because ain't none of you as good at dribbling through a press as Ace Baldwin. And he's one of the only guys, even I would even say this about Highland, too. Ace Baldwin's about the only Ram I've seen since Joey Rodriguez that I would trust to dribble through a press. Everybody else is going to turn it over. You come to the basketball and you pass your way through it. That's, and that, and again, it's critical because it doesn't matter tonight, but it's going to matter in other games. Because you know what? You're not going to see it all the time because, because you don't want to get, let they won't want to let VCU get in the rhythm against it. But you will see, you will see teams throw that press in there here and there occasionally if they're smart, and they'll use it and they'll try it. And I would expect, I would absolutely expect that from Anthony Grant and Dayton on Friday. So come to the basketball so you can help your teammate out, pass your way through it. Don't unless it's wide open like Furman was, uh, or like Toby was for the dunk. Don't go for that. Be careful about going for the home run. I will say this was the first game where all the home run passes and long passes were actually completed. It was rather it was rather nice, especially that one to the wall. My goodness, I mean that was probably seventy foot pass, and it was right on the money, and the wall was able to slam that home, and that was a great job. And they, and you know there were just little dagger moments like that everywhere. But I I do I love the spread. <laughs> Jafet Medor ends up the team high score with 17 points. Great for him. Will Richardson gets 13 points. Those two guys, 11 of 21. The rest of their team, 12 of 39. 12 of 39. That's everybody else that put on a Fordham uniform that got out there tonight. And that includes some really good players like Antrell Charlton, like Simbilla, like Joshua Rivera. And they and they just they wiped them all out. Wiped them all out of this game. No problem. And VCU only has two guys get to 13 points and three guys in double figures. But Lowell has eight. Jackson has eight. Bell has nine. So they really weren't that far away from having six guys in double figures, for goodness sake. So you, you, you know, when you're getting that kind of scoring and you're getting that kind of variety. You're a tough cover for a defense. They can't lock in on anybody. You think this guy's ahead of the snake? It's just like the Hydra. For those of you Greek mythology fans out there, anybody that remembers that from school, the Hydra, you cut one head off and another head comes up. That can be that's VCU a lot of times. You just cut one head off and another one's gonna pop up there, baby. And that's the kind of team I like to have. Because it's going to keep the other team guessing. And of course, since everybody's been talking about it in the chat, yes, it's Dayton. It's Friday. It's at the Siegel Center. It's a gold out. I think it's a sellout. If it's not, it should be. And it's certainly, I'm sure by the time, by the time we get to Friday, it will be. It's ESPN2, but I think it's also ESPN+. Plus. I'm going to look now. But I think it's also ESPN Plus, which helps me tremendously if that is the case. 
Uh, let's see here. Let me see here. It doesn't say. It just says ESPN2. Typically, their Friday night games are on ESPN+. Plus. Hopefully, that's the case here. But this is the big – this is – this is massive. This is absolutely huge. Dayton, yes, they're technically not the AQ in the A-10 because they're tied with Richmond. But Dayton has been the best team in this conference from quite literally minute one of the season. And this is the moment to really measure ourselves because we have had the ups and the downs, and we've talked about all of them tonight. You know, <laughs> we've talked about those those opening two conference losses, and we've talked about that, that loss at St. Bonaventure that they shouldn't have. But if this team is really serious about doing something in March, this is the game to show it at because, again, you can, you can tighten your grip on the top four because you do have to worry about doggone – you do have to worry about doggone um, uh, St. Joe's if they win tonight. And you know what? I need to get that score up again real quick. Let's see here. What is that score right now? Because it was 38-34. Everett Gillis told us that. Um. Oh, wow, and Dayton is, Dayton is cooking to start the second half. Aha, yes, Dayton is cooking 13-3 run. So, again, I don't blame anybody that wants St. Joe's to win, but I think it's actually better for VCU if Dayton wins. But the point is, if St. Joe's loses tonight, they'll be two games behind VCU uh, for, you know, in, in the race for the top four. So it just, it just puts us in an even better spot, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, as things stands right now, doggone Fordham is is is, is probably as close to us in the freaking standings as anybody right now. Because let's see, I don't even know if they counted the Rhode Island. Yeah, Rhode Island. Oh, I guess I said Fordham. Rhode Island, I meant because Rhode Island's five and five now. So St. Joe's loses that game, they'll be five and five. So again, VCU, if you can beat Dayton Friday night you're going to make it incredibly difficult for anybody to catch you for the top four. And then top three, top two becomes a realistic possibility. So it's huge. It's like you said, Bruce, we thought Memphis was the biggest game of the year. Oh, no, 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 no. This Dayton game is the biggest game of the year, and, and, and at least until we play Richmond and Dayton again. And then those might be the biggest games of the year at this point. So absolutely monstrous. The plan, as always, is to be here, but, of course, work may not cooperate. I've been kind of lucky lately uh, with these shifts getting over with in time. So I hope to be here live in the good and the bad and the ugly group. And, of course, uh, Saturday morning in podcast land, we hope. Um, Dayton, we let's, let's understand this. Dayton is really good, and they've been really fantastic. But let's remember something. Dayton – played against Richmond, and Richmond missed their first 11 shots and still won the game. So Dayton is mortal. Dayton can be had. St. Louis won a worst, is the worst team in this conference by a long way, and St. Louis was right with them at the UD Arena. So there is no reason, even with some of these flaky, terrible losses that VCU's got, for VCU to think that they can't put Dayton in trouble. And I know what you and, and you mentioned Deron Holmes being in foul trouble. Well, that's one thing VCU can do. But I think, and I've believed this all along, that VCU's big men, David Venning is a problem because David Venning's a wide load. But VCU's big men 
are specifically built to be able to stay with Deron Holmes. They're comfortable defending away from the basket. That's number one. They're long and they're lean, which is what you've got to be against Deron Holmes. You can't be some lumbering oaf um, or even just – I can't even call David – I can't even call Chad Venning a, a lumbering oaf because he's not. But you just can't be some big dude who can't move against him or you're no chance. VCU's got guys that got to spring in their step and, and have some of the strength against them. And you're right, Jason Deloach was pretty good against Holmes. But not just him, Hassan Ward, too, uh, was pretty good against him, too. Um, so v, I, I tend to think that VCU matches up better with Dayton because Toby Lawal and Christian Furman have the right kind of body types for Deron Holmes. Deron Holmes is strong as an ox, but if you're if VCU's thinking about the double teams, I would just say the same plan against, Ch- against Neil Quinn, I'd use it here. Your double teams have to be occasional. If you're going to attack and double team Holmes, he can't see it coming because he's a very good passer. That's one of many things he's worked on and gotten so much better that. Also the three-pointer, too, uh, and we'll, I'll get to that in a moment. He can't see it coming. you got to catch him when he's starting to make his move, and you got to knock that ball away kind of the way Jason Nelson uh, did it a couple times against Neil Quinn. And, and, and this is the other thing, the three-pointers. He is now an effective three-point field goal shooter. Good enough that you have to respect it, which means if they screen for him, Toby and Christian and Kawani and anybody else that ends up on Deron Holmes 20 feet from the basket, you must go over the screen. You may have to live with the consequences they may beat you on the pick and roll and score some baskets inside. And if that's what happens, that's what happens. But you cannot go under a screen on Deron Holmes. Because here's the other thing about Deron Holmes. He is a rhythm shooter, especially on the outside. If he sees one go in, he might see six go in. That's kind of what happened to poor old Duquesne uh, in that Friday 10 game when they played. Deron Holmes made one three-pointer, and all of a sudden – they just were going in all over the place, and Duquesne could do nothing about it. And they had a lot of different big men to throw at him. They didn't only have two. They had about five or six, and they didn't make a hill of beans. Deron Holmes went through all of them like a hot knife through butter. But you cannot let this guy get hot from three, because if he gets cut hot from three, we ain't winning this game. I don't care what happens. So over the screen and live with the consequences that that might create. So that's the that's a big key. Those are some of the big keys for Toby and Christian. But in general, I ain't going for that double team because I ain't letting Enoch Cheeks, I ain't letting Kobe Brea and and Elvis and them other guys kill us with open open jumpers and open threes. Uh-uh, none of that. Let's 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 try let's give Furman and the Wall a chance to show that they can stand up to him because let's remember. Venning whooped there behind at the Siegel Center, and then they stood up to Venning at the O'Reilly Center. So they can do it. They can do it. So that's it. Uh, great win in a game that could have been a sticky situation for VCU. They got the job done. Um, and, and if St. Joe's loses, they're two games ahead of them. And that just leaves UMass at four losses as the only team that's one loss behind them in the loss column, and that's important. And, v, and Friday – 
What a huge game this is. Golly, it just sucks that we got to wait three days for it. But, man, national TV against a nationally ranked Dayton, what a game, what a mouth-watering prospect and what an opportunity for VCU to put themselves in the conversation uh, for, for uh, an A-10 championship. So thank you all for watching this. Thank you all for your comments. As I said before, if you like what you hear in this group uh, tonight, you absolutely need to join the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group because, number one, our game threads are great and these comment threads in the videos are great. Number two, we are scoreboard watching our conference foes, scoreboard watching our non-conference teams. Um, we did today, today we had out uh, the midterm report for our non-conference teams. How are they doing? How are they doing in, in non-conference play? And it's a bit more of a mixed bag than it has been in other years. But if it weren't for some conference tiebreakers, VCU will have, would have played would be playing four teams that are currently the AQ in their leagues in non-conference play, and that's huge. You know, that's something that the committee is going to have a hard time ignoring if this team can get in in terms of seeding. Because quite frankly, right now. It is not out of the realm of possibility that five or even six teams that VCU played non-conference could win their conference tournaments. That's how well some of these teams we've got are playing. So we put that out there. We're at VCU by the numbers Thursday morning uh, as well. When we take a look at Ken Palm and the net and some national statistics and all that. Also, if you donate to us, we shout you out on the pod like I'm going to do now for James Fitzgerald who gave us a donation Thank you, James Fitzgerald, very much for that. So, all of that stuff, VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly Group, join up with us, and we really appreciate it. And we appreciate all the support for the podcast as well. And we're going to see you guys hopefully Friday night here live, and if not Friday night live, Saturday in podcast land. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for the comments. Talk to you all again next time. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.